Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to worship today. To those of you here in the room, hi. And, uh, and to those of you online, hi. I don't know who's there watching right now and who's not, but we're glad that you're here. Uh, this is a weird world that we live in right now. And, uh, but we're glad that we're still able to gather together to worship, uh, whether we are gathered in the room or whether we are connected by the Holy Spirit and by the tubes that make up the internet. Uh, we're glad that we're gathered together to worship him. The Lord be with you. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Father, we thank you that this morning that is our reality, that we do not have to be slaves to fear when we are your child. Lord, I thank you that you have released and rescued so many of us from that slavery. I thank you, Father, that you have loved us enough to give us that freedom. And Father, there's so much that we can thank you for this morning. Lord, I'm going to be honest. I'm thankful for the warmer weather that's coming. It's been a rough few days, a rough couple of weeks. Lord, all over the country, not just here. But your mercies are new every morning. And it just looks like your mercies are going to be tender this week in letting us have warmer weather. Lord, I am thankful, so thankful for that. I'm thankful for our time together here, Lord, for people who are here in this place, as well as people who are joining us online. Lord, I pray that, that the songs that are sung, the words that are said, the message that is shared, Lord, that all of it would be a blessing to each person who hears this, whether it's today or later on in the week or whenever it happens, Lord. I just pray that it would be a blessing. And Lord, I thank you once again for your love, your care, your mercy for the freedom that we find in you. And Father, I pray that you'll be with, with the rest of us, this, with us the rest of this time. Be with Pastor Rich as he shares your message. And just, Lord, be a, just a sweet presence with us this morning. We pray and we ask these things in your very precious and holy name. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. And also with Great, great. I, I love hearing that out loud from people. I really do. So um, right now, Pastor Rich is going to come. He's got some things he wants to share with us, and then he's going to bring us the message. And thank you, Pastor Judy. We're, uh, we are gifted by your presence and uh, by you leading us this way. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm glad that we've got uh, so many talented people that call Living Hope home that are, that are uh, happy to be a part of this and offer their gifts uh, in worship. Um, so thank you again. Uh, yeah, we do have a couple of announcements. Uh, if you're here in the room, obviously you can grab one of those little cards back by the offering box. If you're watching online, you can go to livinghope.info slash connect and fill that out there and uh, just let us know you're with us today. Uh, give us a chance to, uh, to pray for you, to thank God with you, whatever it is that you need to do, uh, whatever it is you want to communicate to us. Uh, we would love to connect with you today. And, um, and also, of course, you can, you can continue to give online. Uh, if you're here in the room, you can drop an offering in the box. Uh, some of you have been mailing in stuff, um, but you can go to livinghope.info slash give, and you can give right there. And uh, one of the things you can give to, uh, we've got a limited amount of time to continue to, with this particular gift, is to our sister church in Hammond, the Mission Church. Uh, we've had uh, just over $2,100 given so far to the Mission Church in Hammond uh, to help them with some uh, startup costs. This is a, a fledgling young church with a pastor who has yet to take any, uh, any pay from the church church, 
but, uh, but she and her husband have been there for six years, uh, digging this church out of nothing, basically. And uh, they're doing very well. They're, they're so thrilled for the gifts that we've already given us and several other churches uh, around Northwest Indiana, giving to help them with some facility costs. They inherited an aging building that had all kinds of issues. And uh, as, as an owner of an older home myself, I'm aware of some of those issues and how expensive they are to fix. And, uh, and they've got it on a larger scale. So thank you for your giving to, uh, to Hammond Mission Church. If you want to give to that today, again, you can just go to livinghope.info slash give, and then the little drop down, just pick Hammond Mission Church. And if you want to give something, you can to, through the end of February. And then that's when, um, as part of our district kind of fiscal year, it closes at the end of February. And um, obviously, I guess you can always give something to them, but that little option will go away on our website after the end of February. So uh, let's see, what else are we going to say something about? Was it the bras? Is that what I had up there next? All right. Several of you have been, uh, have been donating your bras, your used bras, your new bras, whatever kind of bras you want to give. And uh, I know that's an unusual thing for a church to ask for, to ask for your bras. But uh, it's in partnership with a ministry called Free the Girls, and we do this every February. In fact, this year, um, uh, the pastor up at Doonland Community Church, Greg Arthur, he put together a little video for us. Uh, it's like just a minute or two long to kind of explain what happens to those bras after you donate them. Let's, let's watch. Good morning, Living Hope Community Church. Uh, my name is Greg Arthur, and I have a couple of roles. Uh, I am the lead pastor at Doonland Community Church, just up the street from you in Chesterton. But I'm also part of the staff at Free the Girls. And I just wanted to thank you for your partnership with us year after year uh, as you host your annual broad drive for us at Free the Girls. And I want to tell you a little bit about what it is that uh, we do with those and why that investment of time uh, and resources matters so much. At Free the Girls, we help provide economic empowerment for women who are survivors of sex trafficking. Um, and we do that by helping them create their own small business selling bras on the youth clothing markets. And we work in Mozambique and El Salvador and Costa Rica, and we're partnered with incredible organizations that are helping to rescue women. But one of the uh, most vital things in keeping women from being re-trafficked um, and helping them to heal um, and discover freedom and to reintegrate into their communities is job creation. And so we step into that and we train them to be entrepreneurs, we train them to run their own businesses, and the bras that you donate to us um, become part of their inventory for these businesses they run. Over the last decade, we've been able to collect several million bras, and those have all become um, just uh, essential parts uh, in this work of freedom and justice that we're bringing. So thank you so much for your partnership in that. Um, every time you donate a bra and a buck, um, you are investing into freedom and into a better future for these women as they move beyond trauma, beyond oppression, beyond the fear of the life they've had, and they move into a new, more hopeful world. So thank you for that. Thank you for your partnership in this. Uh, we, we couldn't do what we do if it weren't for faithful friends like you. So blessings on you, and thank you for being part of this. Yeah, I thought you guys might appreciate getting to hear uh, where those go. And some of you in the past have been a part of these uh, packing parties because it's just up the road. You know, those bras, after they get dropped off up there at their church uh, from us and from churches all over the place, uh, they have to get packed up into boxes and put on pallets and then shipped out uh, out of the, the ports uh, here around Chicago. And uh, it used to be that they did packing parties, they would invite us to them, but because of COVID, they've had to just kind of limit that to uh, a staff person and a very small limited number of volunteers that are up to their arms in bras. But uh, Whenever they are finally able to invite us to go help, I'll be sure to let you know because uh, some of you would like to do that, to sort through like, oh, yeah, no, nobody could sell that bra. We just have to toss that one. And, uh, oh, no, these are good, and we can box those up, and then they have to get weighed. And when I, when I helped, I was not trying to sort good from bad. I was, just, I was just, you know, boxing them up, taping the box, weighing it, making sure it was good. I, I figured I could handle that part. So anyway, uh, 
Yeah, please continue uh, through the end of February to ask your friends for their bras and then bring them to church, okay? Uh, that would be good. Um, uh, I forgot to mention last week that uh, we have an annual meeting every year at the end of February, the last Sunday in February, uh, where we just kind of go over, it's, it's for anybody who wants to, we usually do it between the services, right now we just got the 9 o'clock service, so we'll start it at 10 or whenever this first service ends next week, and, um, and it'll be a chance to, uh, if you've committed to membership here to elect the, the church board who will be serving for the next, uh, for the next year, uh, as well as an opportunity to hear about, uh, for anybody to hear about uh, how the church is doing financially, kind of any updates on what we've done this last year, uh, kind of where we see things headed uh, in the coming year. So if next Sunday, if you would like to be a part of that, you can be present in the room and, uh, and cast a little ballot or whatever. Uh, we will come up with a way for those of you watching online to do it, but you're going to have to do it at 10 o'clock. All right, so if you're watching this right now and it's like, oh, no, it's like Sunday afternoon. I don't, I don't go to church until 3 p.m. now because I can. Uh, next Sunday, if you want to be a part of that annual meeting, you're going to have to, you know, check in at 10 for that, okay? And uh, otherwise, you will have missed it. So I apologize. That's just one of the rules that they kind of laid out for us uh, in terms of a business meeting. It's got to be real time. It can't be uh, spread out like that in time. So anyway, sorry about that. Uh, but you, of course, you can still watch it later if you want. You just won't be able to like check the box saying, yes, I think these people should serve on the church board next year. So anyway, and then uh, one thing that we've missed during this long coronavirus season is uh, the opportunity to kind of take the microphone to you guys. Um, there have been lots of Sundays in years past, in the normal times, when uh, at some point somebody would, out there would like raise a hand and I would take the mic to you and you'd have something to share, or I would just ask like, hey, what are you guys thanking God for today? And we would take a few minutes in the service and people would share things they're thankful for. Now we can't really do that. Uh, you could, I guess, through the mask and then you know, wipe the thing off and you know, pass it to the next person. Uh, but I put online, uh, instead I just said, hey, is there anybody that wants to record a little video? We could share a video real easily. And uh, Linda Zyla took me up on the offer. So uh, I'm gonna pass the mic to Linda. Good morning, Living Hope family. I am Linda Zyla. I just wanted to let you know, I am encouraged and that I'm living large because I serve a mighty God who's in charge. He has many promises in the word, which I'm Thankful I am able to read every day. My joy and satisfaction is really in him. So what's new with Chris and I? We have a new dog, and that was a special story. On Christmas Eve, I woke up and a friend had posted that they had to give away their four-year-old husky dog. So I called her, and a few hours later, we have a new dog, and his name is Buck. God is doing great things all the time, despite everything that is going on in our world. Remember that He always hears your prayers. He is always with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. I hope you continue to find joy and peace in Him. Great to talk to you. Bye now. Bye, Linda. Oh, hi, Linda. I'm sure you're watching, so you just watched yourself. Give it a little testimony there. Um, if uh, She worked hard to, like, shorten that uh, down, and so if you want to hear more about that dog story, uh, there's a whole lot more to that and how it was such a gift and a blessing for them uh, with the loss of their last dog and how this dog just kind of appeared and, and all that. So feel free to reach out to Linda and say, okay, tell me the rest of that dog story. Um, but if there are any of you or any of you that would like to, uh, to share something, something that God has been teaching you, something you're thanking God for, something good that has come out of this long season, that we have been in, uh, feel free, reach out, record a little video with your phone or whatever, and send it to me, keep it to like a minute or two, and uh, that would be appreciated, I think, for all, by all of us, but uh, we would love to hear from you, and some of you, we haven't seen your face in like over a year almost now, uh, 
not quite that long. I guess we're March, isn't it? March 22nd was our first Sunday not to be in person last year. March 15th was our last normal Sunday. And it, even that wasn't normal because already we were like, okay, let's kind of keep our distance. Let's not. Uh, and then we realized, okay, oh, no, we shouldn't even meet. Um, so this has been one long uh, well, some people have described it as being kind of like one long season of Lent, uh, but, uh, but officially now Lent has begun. So welcome everyone to the season of Lent, everyone's favorite season of the, the Christian calendar, right? Because it starts with Ash Wednesday and all of us being reminded that we're going to die. And, uh, and then for most of us, it's like a season of fasting and we all love fasting, right? Uh, how many of you just love fasting? It's your favorite thing, right? Okay, I guess you have to type it in the chat if you love fasting. Okay, none of us raised our hands in the room. And um, I am no good at fasting. I just, confession time, all right? I am terrible at fasting. Uh, I would never do it if I didn't have to stand up here and talk to you about it sometimes. Um, just because I'm, I'm much more a feasting kind of a guy, all right? And uh, you can all tell that. Um, but here's good news for you, all right? If, if you also struggle with fasting, during the season of Lent, if you didn't know this, Lent is the 40 days leading us up to Easter, and it does not count Sundays, all right? Sundays are like Lent's little built-in cheat days, all right? They're, they're feasting days. Every Sunday is like a mini Easter. And so, uh, really, I mean, every Sunday is like a mini Easter, and so you don't fast on Sundays. And some of you right now are thinking, I don't? Man, I'm getting this chocolate out of my bag right now, you know? I'm, let me, let's go to it. Um, now is probably a good time to remind you, too, that fasting means giving up something good temporarily. Uh, it is not temporarily giving up something like some sin that you should be setting aside permanently, all right? If it were, then that whole Sundays or feast days things wouldn't make any sense at all, all right? Uh, you don't give up having an affair for Lent, right? You don't, you don't give up uh, a destructive addiction for Lent, or you don't give up any kind of sin for Lent, right? You give those up for good because they're destroying you and the people around you and all of that, okay? I understand Lent can be a time where we do let go of some things that, we, that God has been talking to us about, and he's been saying, yeah, you need to give that up, and, but that's, that's different from fasting, okay? That is just responding to God, saying yes to him, you're right, that's sin, I shouldn't be doing that, okay? So it's not like in Sundays you can pick those back up, all right? Um, just wanted to make that clear in case there was any confusion out there in here. Okay. Uh, fasting is this way that we make room in our lives. We make room in our calendars. We make room in our attention, in our desires. We make room for God uh, to hear his voice and to reflect and to respond, to say yes to him. To make room for God to, to humble us and to remind us that we depend on him and not just on what we can provide for ourselves. We depend on God to provide all good things. And so I don't know what form fasting might take for you, or maybe you're like, nope, I just don't do it. Uh, okay, that's fine, but we are going to talk about it a little bit today, uh, in part because the scriptures that we're given as we're making our way through this Lenten season, we're following along with this little Lent devotional, which I didn't bring a copy up here to wave at you, but uh, it's called A Sacred Invitation. Uh, sacred Invitation, these Lenten devotionals inspired by the Book of Common Prayer. And uh, if you did not get one yet, I, we have like two or three more. I think they should have made it to all of you who I'm looking around in the room. You should all have yours uh, if you want one. If not, then please grab me afterwards and we've got a couple more. And, um, and if you're watching, if you've been uh, like attending regularly with us, you know, participating in the life of Living Hope, and we don't know it because you haven't commented, you haven't let us know that like, hey, I would like one of these books, uh, please let us know. And uh, we will do our best to get one to you. I was just looking, and on Amazon, it's like backed up by a week and a half or something. It's not, it's not, it's not ready to get to you tomorrow, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, but we will do our best to get one to you if you don't already have one. Um, but the scriptures that we're given today kind of connect with this idea and, and what fasting is supposed to be doing for us. For example, Psalm 63. 
Uh, let me just read the first few verses of Psalm 63. Actually, I guess this is most of the psalm. It's just not quite all of it. It says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. See, the, the poet who's putting together this prayer, this song, this psalm, is using that, that analogy of like, man, when I'm in a dry and parched land and I am thirsty, God, that's, what, that's like my desire for you. I need you, God. I depend on you. My whole being longs for you. So I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. And there he's, he's kind of going to the feasting thing, right? So now, oh, okay, I've been fasting, and now, whew, I get to break the fast. I get to feast. I'm being, uh, just as I feel like when I'm satisfied with the richest of foods, God, that is how you satisfy me. That is how you satisfy the deepest longings of my heart, the things that I really need that you provide God, that's the satisfaction I find with you, and that's why I'm singing to you and praising you. It says, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Again, he's saying, God, I go to you. You are my help. You are, it's your right hand that holds me up. And so through the night, when I might be tempted to worry or agonize about the things that are going on, or I look around at the world and I think, oh, man, God, what are we going to do with this? Instead... Through the watches of the night, I'm remembering you. You are my help. You know, when, we, when we connect with God, we are reminded that God is the one who provides for us, that God is uh, <laughs> bigger than the boogeyman. If any of you ever watch VeggieTales, uh, my, my kids now are at an age of five years old, and they're not really big VeggieTales watchers, but uh, that's a song that they have learned, at least the chorus of. We, just, uh, we were just playing the song for them again last night at the dinner table uh, because every now and then they get scared of something. And there's this great little VeggieTales song where, where Junior Asparagus is scared by the monster on TV, and, uh, and this, Bob the Tomatoes reminded him, God is bigger than the boogeyman. Bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. Um, God's bigger than the boogeyman and he's watching out for you and me. Anyway, so through the night when we're scared, you know, we, don't, we can remember God. He is our help. He is the one who holds us up. He is the reason that we don't go through life fearful and anxious all the time. He is the reason we can go through life confident. And this season of Lent can be a season of drawing near to God. And if you decide to fast, if you decide to give something up to make room there in, in your life and in your desires, to, that, that when you feel that desire for that thing, that meal that you're skipping, that's pretty much the only way I can do Lent, is I just, I have to skip certain meals. Uh, so it ends up not being like a daily practice necessarily, but several times during the week I'll skip lunch uh, or sometimes breakfast and, and not just plow through it like I might, you know, sometimes I skip lunch just because I was working and I lost track of time and then something came up and couldn't, couldn't eat. But, uh, but instead to do it as an intentional practice, say, okay, God, during this time, I'm feeling the hunger. I want to make that Taco Bell run right now, but instead I'm going to stop. I'm going to, I'm going to read my little bit in the daily devotional guide. I'm going to read some scriptures. I'm going to pray. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to allow God. I'm going to invite God. Well, I shouldn't say invite God. I'm going to accept his sacred invitation to meet with him. I'm going to accept his invitation to spend some time with him, to get to know him better, to let my heart, my life, um, my desires be shaped by him. 
One of the other scriptures that we're given today to reflect on is from Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is in the Old Testament. Uh, You've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They tell the the long, long, Genesis tells the whole creation story and all of this and gets us to the story of the Exodus where the people of Israel are slaves in Egypt and uh, God has to send Moses to confront Pharaoh and sends the plagues and finally sets his people free and then the whole rest of that is like this long slog through the, the wilderness. They spend 40 years making their way through the wilderness before they finally make it to the promised land and are allowed to enter. They could have gone a lot faster, didn't trust God, had to keep doing laps in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, You can read that story, but those of you who have read it, I know some of you um, have been reading through the Old Testament uh, this past year, and you know, it can take some time to get through those stories. Um, But God has been faithful to his people. And now in Deuteronomy, uh, the book of Deuteronomy is they're right on the verge now of entering into that promised land finally. And they're reviewing the laws that God has given, the commands he has given, his expectations for them as a people. As God is trying to rehumanize his people, they've been dehumanized by slavery. Now he's trying to help them learn how to be human again, how to trust him again, how to live with each other again. And in chapter 8, he says this. This is Moses speaking to the people. He says, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He says there was a purpose to that wandering. It wasn't just, you know, well, you guys got to do laps for 40 years because you didn't trust me that I could help you defeat these, these other nations. He says he was humbling and testing them to know what was in their hearts, whether or not you'd keep his commands. This is kind of the work that God could do in us during this season of Lent. He can humble us and even test us somewhat, you know, stretch us. (laughs) You know, we're not used to denying ourselves. You know, we've got an appetite, we usually just satisfy it. There's an opportunity for God to humble and test us to know what's in our hearts, whether or not we will keep his commands. It says in verse 3 then, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Saying, you've got to trust God. It's not just what you provide for yourself. You've got to trust God to provide for you. Some of you recognize that verse because you've read the New Testament. You've read the story of Jesus spending 40 days in the wilderness to kind of represent the 40 years Israel spent in the wilderness. 40 days in the wilderness being tested and tried by the devil. This is right after his baptism, right before he begins his public ministry. He spends 40 days fasting, drawing near to his heavenly father. And during that time, the devil's tempting him. He's, he's saying like, hey, why don't you just, what are you doing this fasting thing for? Look, you're, you're the son of God, right? That, that uh, stone right there looks kind of like a loaf of bread. Just phew, snap your fingers, zap it. You know, it's better than WandaVision. You could just turn that stone into bread right now and just eat it and you could be satisfied. And Jesus is like, no, no, that's not the point of this. And he says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He quotes this passage to the devil as a way of saying no to temptation and saying yes to his heavenly father. We need to be humbled. We need to be reminded that we don't just provide for ourselves, but that we depend on God for all of it. That's it's one reason that we pray before meals, uh, at our house anyway. Uh, I don't know why you do it, but uh, one reason that we pray is to thank God for it. And we usually at our house, we're trying to teach the boys, you know, gratitude and all that. Uh, you know, we thank God also for, usually for mommy who prepared it, because she's usually the one that prepared the meal, um, or the people at the restaurant who prepared it, if we have grabbed food out and have brought it home. And, uh, but we're also recognizing, God, you're the source of all of it, you know? 
We wouldn't, we wouldn't have the grain to turn into bread, to turn into whatever. We wouldn't have the stuff that fed the chickens, that you know, gave the lives so we could eat them. We don't go into that detail with the boys. But, um, you know, all of this, God, ultimately comes from you. Now, you're the one, God, that has helped us have food on our table right now. We give thanks to you. Uh, the passage in Deuteronomy continues. Uh, he says, your clothes didn't wear out. Your feet didn't swell during these 40 years. Which is kind of this weird story. Like, you know, for 40 years, you're wandering through the desert and you didn't have, uh, you know, you couldn't stop off at Kohl's and like get new clothes. So, but your clothes didn't wear out, did they? Your feet didn't swell. It's, it's like he's picturing like as if for 40 years, they were just kind of walking through the desert the whole time. Like they never got to sit down, never got to rest, which isn't exactly how it went. But, um, but he's saying, look, God provided for you. God helped you through that difficult time. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Sometimes these times of difficulty, um, we, can, we can lament them. We can cry out to God, how long is this going to last? And sometimes God gets us to a place where we recognize, oh, okay, God, you're, you're disciplining me. You're helping me through this time uh, to, to learn to depend on you, to, to learn to lean in to you. Here in this time when there's nothing I can do to change my circumstances. I've done all that I can do, and now, God, I'm just having to depend on you to do the rest. And, and God, you're helping me learn to do that better. You're disciplining me. Which discipline, you know, is kind of that ugly word that we can think of like spanking a kid or whatever because they did something wrong. But discipline also is this beautiful word when it comes to like training, right? Discipline yourself. Uh, you know, I mean, Mary has to discipline her voice. She had to be disciplined in her use of her voice just this past week so she'd have enough strength in her voice to sing this morning. Um, you know, Doug, it's taken years of discipline to be able to play. And I'm sure, Ellen, I don't know your history. I'm guessing you didn't just step up here and play this morning for the first time. Um, I'm, I'm guessing it's been years of, you know, of practice and all the rest. Just like an athlete disciplines themselves and denies themselves certain things and, and includes practices, other practices in their lives to help them to, to grow and to ex excel in their chosen field of, of competition. You know, discipline can be a good thing. This season, if we participate in it, you know, in any way, can be a season of, of discipline, of us disciplining ourselves, of us narrowing our focus on what it is that God really wants for us, on us recognizing, you know what, God, I really am not the God of my own universe, am I? I really do depend on you to provide for me. And it's so easy for us to forget that, uh, for us to say the right words, but really live as if we're our own God, as if we're making our own decisions, as if we're our own Lord, directing our own story. This can be a, a season of discipline for us, uh, to, to hone our, our, uh, our skills, to hone our, to strengthen our faith muscles, uh, depending on God and coming out of this stronger just like Jesus came out of that 40 days in the wilderness, you know, ready to overcome all that he overcame then in the, in the, in the rest of uh, the Gospels. Which that's, that's where we go. We've got a story from, from uh, Mark chapter 2, a story about Jesus today. And, uh, and it's specifically about fasting. Uh, it says, now John's disciples, referring back to John the Baptist, who had baptized Jesus and had been preaching repentance and telling people like, hey, look, here's Jesus, the Lamb of God, takes away the sins of the world, pointing people toward Jesus. John's disciples and the Pharisees, these religious leaders, uh, devout Jewish believers, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. 
he uses this image of himself being like the, the groom at the wedding. And the way the wedding parties worked back then was people eagerly awaited the groom's arrival because when the groom showed up, the party began. And he's saying, look, the groom is here. You know, the, the bride is, is getting herself ready for this great, this great banquet. The groom is here. How can they fast? No, the party has started. This is a feast time. He says the time will come when the, when the bridegroom is taken, and then they will fast. On that day, they will fast. And then he continues, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. We get that, right? We don't patch clothes as much now as we used to. I remember as a kid, I had some patches on some of my jeans because I'd worn through them, right? And, uh, and my parents didn't have the money just to go out and buy new jeans for me. So they, you know, put a little patch on there. And I think there was like an iron-on process or something. I don't think, I remember a lot of sewing involved. But, um, but the idea is that he's saying is like, okay, so your clothes have been shrunk already from all the repeated washings. You don't take a new piece of fabric that hasn't shrunk yet and sew that on to patch it. Because when that shrinks, it's going to pull away. It's going to tear it's going to make the tear worse. And he says, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Not as familiar with that one. We didn't do a whole lot of uh, bagging of wine when I was a kid. Um, so, but I, apparently, the idea from what I've read is, you know, those wineskins, they have some elasticity to them at first, and then they stretch, and they, you know, toughen up leather, and then they kind of reach their, their, their point of that's as big as they're going to get. And you pour new wine that, has, that still needs to do some expanding in those, and they're just going to expand and they're going to burst. You know? um, oh, I know what we can relate this to. Some of us can relate this to our belts, and uh, those leather belts and how they're bursting. I need, anyway, sorry. I, I need to replace this one. That's why I'm thinking about that. Uh, so he says, no, you take new wine, you put it in a new wine skin. That way they can stretch, they can expand together, and no damage is done. Now, I kind of feel bad for the Pharisees uh, in the Gospels. I mean, they are the bad guys over and over and over again. Um, and probably because they were so close to Jesus' own views of things. I mean, Jesus uh, was, was very close to them in the way they interpreted Scripture, the way they uh, understood what God would have us to do. But, um, and so they butted heads quite a bit. He doesn't butt heads as much with some of the other religious groups of the day because they were, they were farther apart. It was just kind of obvious. Um, but the Pharisees were very good at kind of drawing the boundaries, right? Marking the line, saying, here's, here's, here are the rules, and, uh, and then pointing out when people weren't following them, uh, which, you know, they might have done a little, a little bit too much. But we need people who mark boundaries, right? People who draw lines for us. Uh, it's winter in Indiana, and uh, I've, I know I've driven down some roads where I've thought, like, okay, am I on the road? Am I in my lane? I'm not sure. Uh, there's a car coming toward me. How far over can I get right now? How far over do I need to get? Where are the lines? Uh, we need clear lines sometimes. We need boundaries. And we sure like other people to respect boundaries, right? You know, uh, especially during this time, some of you, maybe you've, you've been with people where you've wanted to say, oh, uh, six feet, you know, let's, let's back up a little bit. Uh, masks go over the nose, uh, you know, um, or looking in your rearview mirror and saying, hey, come on now, safe driving distance. Get off my tail, buddy. It's icy out here. Uh, we like it when people respect boundaries. We, we like those things to be in place. Uh, and the Pharisees were very good at that. That was kind of their focus. And, uh, you know, they were devout believers. They, they cared about these things. They were trying, but they fell into this trap of self-righteousness, this trap that says, okay, now I am following all the rules well, and you're not, and so I'm better than you. They had this tendency to look down on others, or to shun people who weren't obeying the rules like they were. And we saw some of that. If you, if you read along in your little sacred invitation books this last, uh, on Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday, you looked at that story of the, the Pharisee and the tax collector who went to the temple to pray. 
And the Pharisee basically brags about himself to God, how he's, how, you know, thank you, God, that I'm not like an adulterer, I don't cheat on these things, I don't do any of these, I'm not an evildoer, I'm not like that tax collector over there, you know, no, I, I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of all I get. He just brags on himself to God about the bad things he avoids and the good things that he does, and in the meantime, he's looking down on this tax collector over here, who Jesus said stood at a distance and just beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus points at him and says, that's the man who went home justified before God that day. Because he humbly acknowledged his need of God's help, of God's mercy. Instead of puffing himself up as if God was going to be impressed by his resume and how good he was to avoid those bad things and how good he was to do these good things. So even fasting there in that story was like, it can trip us up if it becomes this mark of self-righteousness that, uh, that causes us then to look down on others. If you read the rest of Mark chapter 2 and, and into chapter 3, uh, it's really interesting to me. It's just a handful of stories uh, where Jesus continues to confront and to bump into some, some religious folks. Uh, the At beginning, uh, the beginning of Mark chapter 2, uh, he forgives and heals a paralyzed man where his friends dug the hole in the roof and lowered him down and all this, and Jesus forgives his sins, and everyone's like, oh, we don't, who can do that? People can't forgive sins. He's like, oh, you think that's impressive? Get up and walk. And the guy walks out, and everyone's amazed. And, uh, and it was teachers of the law, it says, uh, that were kind of uh, scandalized by this. And then Jesus is, calls uh, Levi or Matthew, the tax collector, to come and follow him. And he goes and has dinner with um, this tax collector and all his tax collector buddies. And, and, uh, and it's some uh, teachers of the law who were Pharisees who come and say to Jesus' disciples, why does he eat and drink with such scum? What is going on here? And Jesus reminds them, it's, you know, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. This is who I've come for. Then we have this story about Jesus and his disciples not fasting like the Pharisees do and like John's disciples. And, and then after this, there's a story of uh, Jesus and his disciples walking through uh, some fields on the Sabbath when you're not supposed to work. And his disciples are like just picking some grain off the, off the thing as they walk by, popping it in their mouth. And some Pharisees say, hey, you're not supposed to do that. That's over the line. That's, that's not allowed. Why are your disciples doing something not allowed on the Sabbath? And Jesus has to remind them of a story in the Old Testament when King David did something similar and, and reminds them, look, the Sabbath was given for man, not man for the Sabbath. This is God trying to bless us, trying to help us understand how to be human and live life with him. This isn't some rule to be pounded onto people. He says, but the Son of Man now is Lord of the Sabbath. He's referring to himself. He says, I'm Lord of the Sabbath too. And by the time you get to the first story in Mark chapter 3, where Jesus on the Sabbath is at the synagogue and it says people are watching, waiting to accuse him of something and there's a man there with a shriveled or withered hand and Jesus calls him up and heals him in front of everyone and at that point it says the Pharisees went and found some of the Herodians, the supporters of Herod, uh, the Roman puppet king and began trying to find a way to have Jesus killed. He forgives and heals a paralyzed guy, he eats with sinners, he doesn't fast, he does what's unlawful on the Sabbath and then he heals a guy on the Sabbath um, which they thought, you know, we're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, so you shouldn't be healing people on the Sabbath. It, it was just five short stories that they go from first encountering Jesus to already deciding we need to kill this guy. And to me that says, man, there's something about self-righteousness that just turns the heart dark, that, that, that makes us brittle or something. I mean, Jesus comes and he is, he is, he is tearing their fabric right? I mean, he has burst in their wineskins. He, he does not fit into their categories or their expectations of what the Messiah was, was supposed to do or be or say. And they don't know how to handle that. What's the phrase that gets tossed around now? Snowflake? Isn't that the phrase that gets used? 
Although it seems to me so often the people who use that phrase, they seem like snowflakes themselves and they seem pretty, pretty. anyway, sorry. Um, oh, I hope I haven't lost any of you now because I made a comment that could, okay, anyway. Talking about Pharisees, not about us, right? Talking about people that can, that can feel self-righteous, that can, our souls get brittle, our souls become unwilling to be, unable to be stretched by the God who made us and loves us. And God shows up wanting to do something in us, wanting to stretch us, to, to help us learn something new, to help us become something better. And, you know, no, God, I'm doing it right. I'm, you know, these are my categories. These, this is how life's supposed to be. I'm following the rules. I'm starting to think maybe we should just let Jesus burst our categories, burst our wineskins. Maybe we should quit trying to fit Jesus into our expectations. Maybe we should just, over these next few weeks, as we, as we move toward the Easter celebration, that again, this year is on April 4th, the celebration of his victory over sin and death and the devil, which that's a category <laughs> destroyer right there. You know, He has defeated death. He has risen again. Maybe we should use this season to just draw close to Jesus and be open to his transforming work. Be open to what he wants to say to us. Be open to what he wants to do in our lives. We might find ourselves stretched past any point we previously would have thought we could have you know, gotten to. We might find that Jesus gets us to a place where we are kinder or gentler or more generous or more forgiving or more loving, where we are becoming so much better than we ever thought we could be. And, and maybe you thought you were doing everything right, but you, know, you were following all the rules, you know, weren't doing any of those bad things, and you know, we're doing several of these good things, but maybe Jesus wants to do something new. Maybe there's something transformative that could happen in your life if you'll allow Jesus to draw you close to him, if you'll give him that time in your calendar, <laughs> that time in your, in your heart, in your desires. Maybe fasting will help you to do that. Uh, maybe you won't have to fast at all. Maybe, I know I've got several friends where for them, Lent is not about taking anything away. It's just about adding some practices. They've got room in their calendar already. They were just, well, I guess they're fasting from like some social media time they would have done or, you know, a TV show they would have watched. They would have filled that time with something. And instead, they're just adding in some practice of reading, of reflection, of prayer, of time with their Savior, Jesus. And they find that to be, that's, that's what it's about. It's not about, hey, I gave up something better than you gave up. <laughs> it's not about I'm following the rules better than you're following the rules. The point of the whole thing is to, for us to depend on God, for us to be drawn to him so that he can transform us by his life. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Thank you, God, for this invitation that you extend to us today to draw close to you, the God who made us and loves us, the God who knows us better than we know ourselves. God, so often we, we cruise through this life every day just like every other, and we need seasons like this where we can kind of shift things into a, a different gear, where we can look at things differently, where we can pause more frequently, where we can build some, some new habits into our lives that help us to draw closer to you. God, I pray you'd help each of us to do that in some fashion, to find a way to spend more time with you this season. If we need to remove something to make room for that, great. Help us to see how to do that, God.
But I pray that you will use this time, that this won't be wasted time, but that this will be useful time given to you, that you can do some, some stretching in our lives, God. It's not easy uh, for our categories to get stretched, torn, or, or, but Jesus, this is what you do. You, you burst through our categories already. God in the flesh, God with us, defeating sin and death. Please, would you help us to allow you to be who you are, to discover you as the, the one who transforms us by your love and grace. Thank you, God, for the ways that you help us as we draw close to you, as you speak to us, as you point out things in our lives that need to change, ways, things that we need to let go of, things that we need to pick up. God, you, by your Holy Spirit, give us the ability to say yes to you, to actually live the life you're calling us into. For that, we give you thanks. And we ask for your help that we can truly do this for the remainder of this Lenten season. Thank you, God, that each and every Sunday we have the opportunity to, to celebrate once again your love displayed in Jesus Christ and in his death on our behalf and his resurrection, defeating the powers of sin and death. We remember this in the sacrament of communion, where today, once again, we offer to you these gifts of bread and juice. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit's presence with us here in this room and wherever we are, as you meet us right where we are, Lord God, that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We offer you ourselves, confessing our sins, the ways that we have not loved you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, the ways that we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves, the things we should not have done that we did, the good things we should have done that we skipped out on. God, we confess to you today that we we can, each one of us, pray like that tax collector, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Thank you, God, that your mercies are new every morning, that you are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Thank you that in Jesus Christ, you make forgiveness and new life possible. You take our death and you give us your life. So fill us with your spirit today, we pray, that we might live this new life that you call us to. Thank you, God. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. If you are participating from home, then uh, if you would like to participate in this sacrament, uh, if you haven't already, you can gather together some bread, some juice, or the nearest equivalent that you have available to you. Um, we will celebrate, once again, God's gift of love given to us in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God for the love you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for taking our death and giving us your life, for inviting us to share in 
your victory over sin and death and the devil, setting us free from those things that have held us back, weighed us down. God, today, would you help us to experience this freedom that comes by saying yes to you, by opening our hearts and lives to you and allowing you to change us, to transform us. Thank you, God, for this sacrament of communion. Um, We remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, gave it to his disciples, gave thanks for it, said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat the bread. After the meal, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, drink this. This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new agreement between God and humanity. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take, let's drink. Thank you once again, God, for your overwhelmingly generous love that you have shown to us for your amazing grace that washes us clean that sets us free that gives us your Holy Spirit to empower us to live a new life a life of love and grace here in this world thank you God would you help us this coming week to sense your closeness to us as we do our best to draw near to you, as we do our best to make room for you to accept your invitation, would you help us to have a real sense that you are with us? Help us to hear your voice and help us to say yes. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. And keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.